Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 8. O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. To still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. If you're able, please stand and join me for the gospel reading, please. From the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The New Testament reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It's on page 983 of your Pew Bible, if you're following there. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Are you a, um, uh, an old movie fan? Um, I am. I think it's because um, there's some weird comfort in those old movies. Uh, um, uh, it just takes me back to a different day, a different time. Um, one of my favorite ones, and, and uh, if you're like me, you never remember them for all they were. I remember taking my children um, to see Pink Panther. I had this fond memory of the movie Pink Panther, right? I forgot what it was really like. I'm going, shut your ears. Oh, my goodness, there's all kinds of strange stuff in that. It's true for this one, too. But I was flipping through the channels, and it was that movie that we've talked about before, but it was um, City Slickers. I know, I know. My standards are low. What can I say? Um, but I love it. I, I, I love it because... 
because Billy Crystal's the character he's playing, I think his name was Mitch, was, was, was trying to find purpose. And his two friends, each of them had, had put their weight down on something. One of them had put their weight down on success in the culture and, and was very successful. And then right before the trip, uh, it was all taken away. Another um, person just trusted in, uh, in sexuality of, of, of his day and was, was um, promiscuous and had, had put his weight down on those things and it collapsed on him. Another one, interestingly enough, I think is Mitch, put everything that he had in his family and, and, and even that didn't, didn't survive. All of them had gone through these major crises. Well, if you know the movie, you know that they get out here on this cattle drive and they run into Jack Palance. I can't remember his character's name. Curly, wasn't it? It was Curly. And, um, and, and he does that, that strange dynamic thing. And, you know, uh, Curly just seems to have his act together. No one knows that Curly's going to die before the movie's over. And, and, but he has, seems to have his act together. He seems so confident in his cowboyness, right? I just created a word. And his cowboyness. And, um, and, and writing uh, uh, Billy Crystal or the Mitch says, you, you know, he just seems so comfortable. And he says, well, it's because I've discovered that one thing, right? And, and you know, the punchline of the movie is uh, Billy goes, well, what's that one thing? That's why I've come. That's why I've gone out to the, to the cattle drive, to the middle of nowhere, to find out what that one thing is. And, and Jack says to him, you've got to find it for yourself. And, and everybody in the movie theater goes, ah. right? Rats. <laughs> I was hoping, Jack, you'd tell us what, what, what this one thing is. But, you know, I think what the reason I like the movie, and, and the reason many did, I think it cost $26 million to make, and it it made $178 million. It's a simple little movie is because it taps into something in us. It taps into that deep hunger that we have also for this meaning, for this one thing, for finding out what it is. I want to I suggest to you that, that that's, a, that's a parable of our culture right now. And people are searching for it, often in the same things those three men were, but you could add another 30 things, couldn't you? Everyone's trying to find this deep fulfillment in something that cannot bring that fulfillment. It was never designed to bring that fulfillment. We're trying to put, to, to fill our lives with that which can't do it. And, and, and that's why today is so important. As we begin a new series together today, we want to go back to the very beginning. I think, as I said in my article in the front of the bulletin, John Wooden used to say to his basketball teams, this is how you tie your shoes. This is a basketball. That's the court. That's the losing team. This is the winning team. You go back to these fundamental things. And I think that each of us has this hunger for this fundamental thing. What is that fundamental thing that, that each of us was created uh, to, to long for, to hunger for? Well, you could say several things, right? Many things, many words you're going to say. He's going to say Jesus in a minute. And, and I am going to say Jesus but I'm going to take you a little bit further. I'm going to take you to a different place so that you can understand the fulfillment that comes in Jesus, that comes in God. That one thing I'm going to suggest to you, it's going to sound strange, is glory. Is glory. Why do I play seven games of racquetball in a row? Because I'm losing. Because that hope springs eternal, that maybe something will be different the next game, and I'll win. 
will have some glory. Why do we gather in tens and even hundreds of thousands of people and root for these teams, right, uh, that, that are a bunch of overpaid millionaires, right? And, and uh, why do we do that? Because we somehow get glory when they win, or if you're a Cubs fan, glory in your identity of losing, right? Um, but we, we somehow vicariously, we vicariously uh, uh, get glory through those things. I want to suggest to you that that's not an accident. In fact, I know it was, the scriptures went by really fast just a moment ago, and it's hard sometimes to put them into context. But, but the, the testimony of scripture is that that was indeed God's plan. Now, no, the word is translated differently in different places. Sometimes it's renown, sometimes it's fame, sometimes it's splendor, sometimes it's magnificence or grandeur or brilliance. The word is doxa, from which we get the word doxology, a word about glory. Right. Um, but the testimony of Scripture is that is that that God placed that hunger for you in glory. That, that's not a problem that you seek glory. The problem is that you seek the wrong glory. Right. You seek glory in the wrong places. And then Scripture comes back and begins to speak to us in, in, in Scripture. When that word glory uses most often referred to as the glory of God. The glory of God, right? Meaning his, his awesome majesty. But sometimes when, when we're talking uh, about glory, we talk about glory, giving glory to God. And, and that's important too. And that's why we sing the doxology. Do you remember? This is going to take some of you way back. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Remember that? Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, part of that is just the familiarity of that verse. But part of it is the words. Part of it is you just tapped in to something you were created to do. Part of it is you just tapped into this giving glory to God. Set that aside for just a second. The glory of God, as awesome as that is, and and giving glory to God. Set them both aside for a second because I want to challenge you on another front about God's glory. This is not glory of God or glory to God. This is the glory from God. From God. The glory of God that satisfies the one on whom it's bestowed. That fills that void, that, that, that emptiness and gives us that deep satisfaction, the fulfillment of of being and doing what God wants us to do. That's, that's the glory that God gives. That's the glory that, that um, I forget who it was, um, that Eric read in Psalm 8. And, and he's talking about uh, this magnificence of, of God's glory. And he said, and he crowned you and me with glory and honor. 
He crowned us with glory and honor. The pinnacle of God's creation is humanity. Men and women created in his image, uh, living as he called them to live, doing what he asked them to do. That's the pinnacle of creation. It's like a crown. It's like, it's like this, this uh, radiance upon our heads, upon our minds, upon our hearts, upon our, our wills. We were created for that glory. So what happened to it? This is the core of the gospel, is it not? What happened to that created glory? Well, our ancestors, the, the, the first generation of human beings forfeited that glory by trying to establish instead their own glory, right? The temptation of the evil one was to say, uh, uh, you can be like God. You can have that kind of glory. And that temptation is exactly the same Today, as it was then, the temptation for us is to still have our own glory rather than to experience and reflect and be satisfied by God's glory. And so Paul will write in in Romans chapter one about people. He said they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And although they claimed to be wise. They became fools. And listen to this. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God. They exchanged it, meaning they had it. They exchanged it for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. And I cannot resist this temptation and colts and broncos. Right? Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? I'm a football fan. I'm not a preseason football fan. But I'm a football fan. But I find myself worshiping at the altar sometimes of created things rather than the glory of God. And so this, this all-important piece is missing. And, and, and those of us who are burdened with this instinctive search for that glory, for that unknown quality, are, are stymied. And, and even the search is unnatural because we're never designed to be apart from the glory of God. And so we feel awkward in it. We don't know how to do it because God never intended that we would be without his glory. But we go after counterfeit glories. We go after one, one word the scripture uses is, is idolatry. Things that, that are less than glorious at best and, and destructive at worst. And fill in the blank, whether it's, whether it's temptation for praise or for power, for pleasure, for financial security, or, or even, even good things for family and friends. We go from thing to thing, from relationship to relationship, from temporary fix to temporary fix, trying to find the glory again. Here's the, here's the sobering reality. That glory is lost. And there's only one, Jack Palance was right, there's only one thing that will satisfy again. And here's the great news. God has not left us without hope. That is, I don't know if it's up there, it is. That is the meaning of the gospel, right? The good news, literally gospel, is that we are not without hope. You and I are not without hope. That glory can be rediscovered. 
Paul says in just a couple of verses after we read in Colossians, Paul says how we can come to the satisfying end of our search. Paul tells us how we can be fulfilled and satisfied again. He said, it is through Christ in you, our hope of, guess what? Glory. Our hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. The great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you can experience that glory again. And the secret to it is, is this Christ in you. But what, is, what does Christ in you mean? Well, it means that you can have a personal, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ resulting in His indwelling presence. Did you hear that? You can have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ that will result in His indwelling presence. I'm hesitant to say these next words because you're going to click off. Some of you are going to click off. But Jesus called it being born again. Being born again. I know that that, that phrase has been abused and misused and tied to all kinds of things that, it's, that it was never intended to be tied to. To politics, to other things. But let's try and, and go back to the beginning. Let's try and clear up what Jesus meant by Think for a second. There's probably... There are probably three groups of people here today. One group of people could be fairly and non-judgmentally defined by saying, I am not a follower of Christ. I'm not a Christian. That's okay. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. Because how are you ever going to discover more about Christ if you don't hang around people who know him or if you don't hear about him? So you are welcome here. But, but some of us are in that category. We are pointing like there's something up there and there's not. There's, um, we're, we're not Christian. But there's two more categories that, that are a little tricky to navigate here. And the next one is, let's put it in the center, a Christian. There are those who say, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And then there's, there's some over here who, would, who push the third button here and say, I'm a born-again Christian. Do you remember my grandma? Remember that? I told you the story when... When I asked my grandma if she was born again, she said, of course I'm not born again. I'm an Episcopalian, right? <laughs> like asking a St. Bernard, are you, are you a Presbyterian? He goes, no, I'm a St. Bernard. Come on. Um, um, she didn't understand. And, and, and there are many in this room who will say, I am not a born again Christian because we have all this baggage that comes with that. Uh, uh, but I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And here's the reality. There is no such thing as a Christian who's not born again. Wow. I'm not pushing my language on you. I'm referring you right back to John chapter 3, right? Where Jesus said, no one can see, and he used the word, the kingdom of God. And I'm going to translate that, the glory of God in his kingdom. Unless he's born again. Unless she is born again. Right? In other words, something must happen. A transaction must happen by which there is a deposit placed in your life or something changes in you and, and, and your eternity is changed. I want to, I want to suggest to you that, that this, this deposit, this, uh, the Bible calls it the Holy Spirit here, when you put your weight down by faith on what Jesus Christ has done, that Christ has come to earth to, to restore 
to us our understanding of the glory of God. Did you hear that that verse in John chapter 1? We beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's where we're going over the next few weeks. Glory, grace, and truth. We beheld it. We saw it. Now, didn't they just see Jesus Christ uh, 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 as a human being? Yeah, he came into the world. I watched uh, uh, great-grandma Carol come in with her great-grandchild here. And it was just glorious here before the service. And several of us just stopped and stared. This beautiful little child, you know. Non-threatening. Nobody's threatened by this little baby child. Jesus came into the world as this baby child, and he grew in wisdom and stature and filled with the Holy Spirit. He taught us not only how to live, but how to die, and he showed us his glory. I don't know, but that John wasn't referring to the Mount of Transfiguration when he said, we beheld his glory. God gave us and, and, and his disciples, Peter, James, and John there, a vision of the physical doxa, the glory of God, again, on that Mount of Transfiguration. He gave them a preview of what would happen to us as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And John, John would just say, we beheld it. We saw it. Beloved, it's true. The glory has come back. The glory has come and is available to you. So what happens? You say, I can't see it right now, but I'm going to hope in it. I'm going to believe that God has something better than what I've seen and what I'm experiencing. I'm going to believe that through Jesus Christ, that glory can be revealed. And the moment you do that, the moment you put even a little bit of your weight on that, a mustard seed of your weight on that, right? God causes your spirit to be reborn again. He puts in your heart this little, I'm going to use that word again, this little down payment, this little deposit. And why, why, am, I, why am I de-emphasizing this deposit? It's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Yes, it is. But, but God's not done yet. You see, God has still placed us here. He grants us a deposit of His Holy Spirit. For the first time, our spirit is alive. We're able to discern uh, spiritual things. We're able to discern the glory of God. And, and, and we start to move toward that, toward that God from glory to glory, the Scripture says. We start to become like Him from glory to glory. So what is that one thing? Glory. Just find it in the right place. Look for it in the right place and we'll help you. We're going to go back to the very basics of the gospel over the next five more weeks. And, and we're, going to, we're going to say, how do we find that glory? Let me, let me just tease you right now by saying God's not done. He never intended that, that first deposit to be all that you would receive of his glory he wants to keep pouring his glory into your life he wants to keep satisfying you moment by moment and day by day he wants he wants you to experience the same thing that john experienced we beheld his glory glorious of the only begotten son of the father full of grace and truth how do we do that it's 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 interesting remember i put those two things aside for a second and talked about the glory that comes from God, because that's the part that most of us are unfamiliar with, that God has bestowed that glory upon us through Jesus Christ. 
But in this strange dynamic, the way that that glory grows in us is when we do what we've been doing all morning long, when we return that glory to God. Let me just hint at this for a second with you. Remember this whole dynamic of crowns and rewards in heaven? A lot of us are uncomfortable with that idea. Why would God use crowns and rewards? And then, and then we got to the back part of the book and we saw what they did with those rewards. We saw what they did with those crowns. What did they do? And what is the word that's used? It's a famous band now, right? They cast those crowns back at his feet. There's this amazing dynamic. I'm getting so excited thinking about this. This amazing dynamic where, where the very ones who have received this blessing give it back to God, right? And what does he do? He gives it back to us, and we give it back. Do you see what's going on? Remember when we talked about the Great Commission to enter into the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? To be immersed in the community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What you are doing when you give glory to God is you are becoming, uh, you're entering into the dynamic that is a part of the Trinity. That the Father gives glory to the Son, and the, and the Son gives glory to the to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives glory to the, to the Father. And do you see that dynamic that's happening? And what, what is the bottom line? Glory. Glory. People encounter the glory of God. So I want to invite you to risk pushing the third button. You're not a Christian because you live in the United States. You're not a Christian because... You go to church. You're not a Christian for any other reason than because you have received that gift of the Holy Spirit. You have been born again. And you've entered into that process that will last for 10,000 upon 10,000 years of receiving glory from God and returning it to Him. That, beloved, is the only thing that can satisfy. That is the only thing worth living for. I invite you, put your weight down. God so loved the world, right? Right after the passage we read, that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever would believe in him, not perish, everlasting life. Experience everlasting glory. Pray with me, would you? I pray for those who want so bad to fill that emptiness. Who who want so bad to to find that satisfaction and that, that deep peace that has eluded them for so long. God, I cry out for those who who've never come to that point where they risked giving up their, their self-worship to worship you. God, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you fill this place with so much grace that each of us could humble ourselves and call out on the name of Jesus Christ. That we could, that we could experience his glory, God. And so... Um, be drawn into this community of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for those of us who, 
who have had experiences along the way that, that were amazing. And oftentimes there were experiences of, of, of the, the richness and, and the depth of your created world, your Lord. And even, even humanity, God, this, this pinnacle of your creation. But we've substituted that, that uh, uh, relationship with humanity for something greater. God, we've substituted humanism for for life in in glorious presence of God. God, I pray that you would awaken our spirits by faith right now, that you would stir up in us and birth in us this deposit of your Holy Spirit. God, I know if that happens, that, that, uh, that nothing will ever be able to snatch us from your hand. I know that if that happens, that deposit will grow like an investment in, in a bank. It will grow uh, from from day to day, from year to year, until our whole lives are taken over by your presence, until our whole hearts are filled with a deep satisfaction that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, God, I pray, as we've seen so powerfully today, that having found our satisfaction in you, that you would make us restless for those who are so desperately in need of the physical emotional, the spiritual resources that you have so freely given to us. I pray that you would break our hearts for, for those uh, in, uh, in our country and, and throughout the world or who desperately need to know that someone cares, who desperately need to know that the love of Christ is available to them too. So thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here for that right now. Thank you that it's not we who... Uh, are blessed when you show your glory, God. But your kingdom is lifted up. Your son is exalted. Forgive us for the times when we have sought our own glory, where we join the psalmist even now and say to you, not to us, but to your name be the glory, Lord God. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.